<laughs> yeah. I think of, um, I probably, it's all right if I repeat stories. I hear people on the television repeating stories all the time, so it's okay for me. You know, I always think I have to come up with something new, but I gave up on that, you know. <laughs> After 36 years. <laughs> so, anyhow, there's a, if you want to know how, how intelligent you are, this is an intelligence test. It's called an IQ test. That you, yeah, so I know some of you already feel left out. Uh, but... As, you know, whenever you, you find yourself on the track of life, you know, you get out on the track and you start around the track and you fall into a hole. Okay, well, you know, you get up and you go on. Well, the second time around, you fall into the same hole. The third time around, you fall into the same hole. And sooner or later, it becomes an IQ test. <laughs> are you going to stop falling in the hole? <laughs> are you going to get around the hole? You know, are you going to get on a different track? So in our lives... Um, if we're constantly running into the same problem, if we're constantly running into the same difficulty, if we're constantly pr presenting ourselves with the same temptation and the same problem that tripped us up 20 years ago is still tripping us up today in our spiritual walk, in our walk with God and our walk in life, you know, we need to, we need to stop and just look for a minute. I know I have a, I, I know of someone that... Um, I think they've had maybe 30, 30 jobs in the last 10 years. I didn't know a person could have that many jobs. But, you know, and they would go out and find work. And, you know, what had happened, they would be at work. And, and the thing that, and I guess it shouldn't amaze me, the individual always knew more than the people he was working for. <laughs> okay. I mean, and, and, you know, he's, and the person is a good guy. I mean, he's a nice guy. I mean, he's, he's a wonderful person. But you just can't tell him anything. You can't explain anything to him because he already knows it. And I, I, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for the family. I feel bad for... Because there's a lot of possibility there. There's a lot of qualities, good qualities. But they just can't get beyond... Owning everything, <laughs> you know, they, they can't just get beyond the idea that they are, have, have a, that other people may have a little bit more knowledge than, uh, in, than, than themselves. But we find that in our walk with God, we don't know it all. <laughs> I don't know it all. And um, there are things that you know that I'll never know. Because I haven't come through your walk and through your life. And, and there are things that I know and experiences that I've had that perhaps I can teach and help. But we're, we're too, life is too short for us to experience every failure that could ever experience. <laughs> you know, if we think that uh, being able to um, understand someone is to walk a mile in their shoes, you know, we're going to have an awful lot of shoes <laughs> because we can't walk in everybody else's shoes. I can't know the experiences that other people have known. Hardships, heartaches, difficulties, successes, failures. I can't know it. But Christ has given to us an understanding of the Scripture. God has given to us an understanding of the Scripture through Jesus Christ that can help us get a grip on our life. And if, if we think that we've got life all sewed up and a perfect understanding of it, better think it again. Um, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Excuse me. Uh, he's writing to the church at Corinth, and he's trying to give them some information about their life and about what's going on in life and some expectations about it. And, and I thought I would just kind of read through 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For instance, Paul says to the church here at Corinth, for instance, we know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, they will be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven, God-made, not handmade, and we'll never have to relocate our tents again. <laughs> so Paul is talking about our bodies dying, okay? Uh, perishing, uh, physical body dying. And, and I, I, I think of it in the context that when we need to see our life in, in a couple of different perspectives. One is, someday it's going to be over, okay? Now, in many respects, you know, well, people get frightened at that. But Paul, Paul is telling the church of Corinth, and he's also telling us, we don't have to worry about that. You know, my way, you know, working in hospice and every, every week, I help people with this, this, this struggle. I mean, this is where I live. This is where my ministry often is. And in fact, on, even on Friday, I was called to a place to, to work with this very same thing. And what I, what I try to present is this. Okay, when life is over, and in the scripture we're going to talk a little bit, when, when life is over, we're going to stand before God. And that God is going to, we're going to have to give account of our life. Now, rather than thinking of this as something to be afraid of, it is that which is to be anticipated. John 3, 16, we can quote that one. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. All right, so we know that. And what we just sang about, you know? We surrender to God, we ask him for forgiveness to come into our life. Then John 3, 17 for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The purpose of God's coming is not condemnation. God did not come to set up a standard in which he can point fingers at us and say how bad we are. <laughs> that is, you know, so whenever we think about coming to the end of life, God is not going to sit there with a, a book, a notebook, and say, aha, David, you failed this one. David, you failed this one. You know, David, you could have been a little better on this one, you know. And you got all these black marks on your, on your check marks against you. And it's almost as if we're on this scale. You know, people in, in the humanistic point, and sometimes religion points, not our church, not our faith, but religion point says, well, you got to balance out the scales. Has the good overdone the bad? Has the bad overdone the good? You know, and if the good is over, if more good than bad, you go to heaven. If it's not, you go to hell. And is this this type of, it's not true. It's not true at all. God has come to forgive us. And in our life, God has blessings that he wants to bestow upon us 
But we have to be smart enough not to keep living in the hole of sin, of wrongdoing, of guilt, of condemnation. If we've given our life to Christ, we don't need to go back and jump in the hole. <laughs> okay? Well, do you remember when I did this? Do you remember when I did that? My sin, my failure. Don't go jumping in the hole. God has, God has taken you off of that track. <laughs> Your life doesn't revolve around that track where the hole is. God has given you a new life. He's given you a new opportunity. His, his mercies and his grace are renewed every day. So you see, and looking forward to the end of life, Paul says it here, our tents are going to be folded away. This life, this body dies, goes to the, into the dirt, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And he's a creep and no more for us. You know, there's just... <laughs> Never heard that one? Oh, uh, well, you know. You just don't get, you just don't, you just don't travel in the right circles. <laughs> you know, the funeral directors, their, their business is always going in the hole. <laughs> See, you just got to be around funeral directors to hear these kind of things. Uh, did you know that there has never been that to my knowledge and all the funeral directors I've spoken with, there has never been one person go to hell. <laughs> never. <laughs> there's never been a service in which they said, you know what, this guy is going to, you know, there's none of that. I mean, there's none of that. Well, God, getting back to the truth here of God's word, is that he loves us and his desire is that no one should perish. His desire, God's desire for our life is that we would grow in our knowledge and our understanding and in our spiritual life, that we would grow and we would become more mature, that we would be able to see life from a different perspective. And Paul is telling us that one day our tent is going to be folded up and that we are going to go to heaven and we are going to have a heavenly body that is made by God, that is not made with flesh and blood, and will never have to relocate again. So heaven is our home forever. So if we recognize that God loves us and has forgiven us, and that our sins are forgiven, and that the pit or hole that we have lived in or come from, we don't have to jump back in again. Okay? So that's an IQ test. Don't go back to, you know, the um, Bible says that God has forgiven us our sins and he's put our sins in the, the sea of forgetfulness. And he has a sign up there, no fishing. <laughs> so don't go trying to drag up the past. Well, sometimes we can hardly wait to move. And so we cry out in frustration. Sometimes we can hardly wait to get out of life. You know? Sometimes we think that life is so miserable and is so bad, I would just like to go to heaven and have this all done with. You know, I've been there. <laughs> Sometimes I don't like what happens. Sometimes I get so frustrated with what happens. Sometimes I think that, you know, God, if we're done, let's go. You know, let's get out of here. And you'll see, my whole thing is I want to wake up dead, you know. <laughs> you know I don't want any of this stuff hanging around, you know. 
you know, I just want to wake up dead. I want to be in heaven. It's all over, and you can just grieve all you want, but I'm in heaven. <laughs> Got that, dear? <laughs> so, but that's, you know, but we're going to move. We're going to transition, but we should never live in fear of heaven. We should never live in fear of what may happen in the future with us and our death or whatever. We should never live in fear. And this is what Paul is telling us here. Sometimes it's hard for us to even imagine that we can get there. Now, compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like stopover in an unfinished shack, and we're tired of it. (laughs) Sometimes our life just feels like we're just living in a shack, and we get tired of living in a shack, you know? And God is saying, don't worry, heaven is not like the shack you live in. So, we've been given a glimpse. Now, this is where we get into the realities of our life. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrected bodies. Now, whenever we read the scriptures, and Jesus says that the same, you know, the scripture tells us the same, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, <clears throat> excuse me, shall dwell in you, he shall quicken your mortal bodies. So, The same spirit that brought Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives within us. Now, that same spirit that lives in us isn't just lying dormant until we keel over. The spirit that lies within us is there no condemnation. There's no condemning spirit in Christ. So coming back to today, coming back to now, I do not need to live in condemnation. God has forgiven me. The condemning spirit is not God's spirit. The things of failure, bringing up our past, that's not God. God has forgiven and they're gone. So we see that the spirit of fear does not exist in God. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. Now, anybody know what the lottery was? I mean, you all know, so tell me. (laughs) What was it? 1.3 billion dollars. Okay? That's that's what they're already putting out new stuff. Okay, now. If you got 1.3 billion dollars, see now, what happens is this. In our mind, we, we allocate we relocate our physical well-being to a place in which we could have whatever we want. So therefore, we have dreams. That's what the lottery is all about. You know, some lucky person has the ability to be struck by lightning three times and live. You know, <laughs> so that's the chances of being winning the lottery. But, the cha- but you see, what happens is, our, how can we understand spiritual things? Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, John chapter 3. He also says to, to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, how do I get in? Nicodemus says, how do I get into the kingdom of God? Jesus said, you must be born again. What is Jesus doing? He's taking something physical and tying it to something spiritual. Okay, that's a parable. That's a story with a meaning. So he likens our spiritual birth to a physical birth. That when we accept Christ into our, into our life, that we are born again. 
that we are forgiven, our sins are wiped away, we have no more, no more sin allocated to our life from all of our past mistakes, and we're set free. We're born again. Now, whenever we think of or people present this whole idea, you know, of winning a billion dollars and all this kind of stuff, we kind of light up, well, if I had a million dollars, if I had a hundred dollars, you know, we'd, some of us say, well, if I had a hundred bucks, I would feel this way, you know. If I had a million bucks, I'd feel this way. You know, I can spend a million, no problem. <laughs> now, a hundred million, you know, it might take me a little longer. But, you see, what happens is we take that physical reality that we would assume that goes with that, you know, allocation of finances, and we say, wow, would be like that. Well, God then is telling us, a billion dollars would not be able to touch, scratch the surface of the value of the spiritual life that you possess. <laughs> the spiritual life that you possess, you see, we, what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? You see, what we have in Christ is so much greater than any amount of wealth in this life. So whenever we think of or get excited about getting a hundred bucks or getting a million bucks or, you know, a, a dollar bill, <laughs> our, our, our uh, great niece, we, it was her birthday and we sent her a card or sent her a package, you know, and put, you know, Rhonda's going to put a $10 bill in her. I said, no, no, no. You know, put five ones, and we didn't have ten ones, so we put five ones and a five in. She loved the five ones. One, two, you know. In her mentality, the five ones were much better than one, five, you know. Well, in our lives, we have that limited perspective of our spiritual, our spiritual gifting. We have a limited perspective. You know, think of it that I can do all things through Christ, What's going on inside of me with God's birthing his spirit is limitless. <laughs> limitless. You see, in, in a, you know, a billion bucks, it's limitless to what I could buy. You already have a limitless supply. It is a supply that will take care of us clear through eternity. And it doesn't go away. <laughs> and you don't have to pay taxes on it. <laughs> There's this guy, he was talking to God, and he says to God, what is a billion, what is a billion years like to you? And God says, well, a billion years like to me is like a second. And, and he goes, well, God, what is a billion dollars like to you? And God says, well, it would be like a penny to you. Guy thinks for a minute. He says, God, can I have a penny? And God says, yeah, in a second. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> it's not mine, it's somebody else's. So, see, the reality is we have great spiritual wealth. We have great spiritual wealth. You know, you won't see us, <laughs> this is, goes on with the, the Corinthians, you won't see us drooping our heads and dragging our feet. In cramped conditions here, don't get us down. You see, living in the shack here in the crampedness of our, don't get, we don't get down with this life. 
and with the events of life and the circumstances of life because it only reminds us of the spaciousness of eternity. We don't get down with our lack or whatever we have here. We don't get down with that because we know that something greater is in, fr in front of us. And that you see, the, the renewal that goes on with God in our spirits is renewed every day. Some of us have dementia. <laughs> We're constantly forgetting what God has given to us. <laughs> We're constantly forgetting the good that's in our life. We're forgetting about the blessings that we have in our hands. You know, the, the people who are upset about where they live in their house and how bad it is until they lose their job and they're going to lose their house. And it's like they pray that they may keep their house. And then when they get their job and get life and comes back, they're happy about the house they're living in. You see, so it's a perspective of our lives. And God wants us to have a perspective that is the view of eternity. It's what we trust in, but yet, it goes on, to the, the, reminds us of our spaciousness. It is what we trust in, but don't yet see that keeps us going. What we trust in is the Word of God, the Scriptures. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? <laughs> who believes that I'd give them a $10 bill? <laughs> you think we got it we get there so do you suppose a few ruts in the roads and rocks on the path are going to stop us you think that we're going to get upset because the road's mucky and ruddy and bumpy no well it goes on to say in verse 9 but neither exile nor homecoming is the main thing Paul is telling them, you know, the Jews, they were exiled out of Jerusalem and in, in uh, Egypt and talks about the homecoming, also homecoming, coming to heaven and things like that. It's neither the difficulties nor the um, expectations of heaven. The difficulties or the expectations of heaven, these are not the main things. Cheerfully pleasing God is the main thing. Cheerfully pleasing God. You see, cheerfully pleasing God. We think in our physical realm, if we had a billion bucks, we would be cheerfully pleasing God because we got everything we need and want and never could have. And God is saying, cheerfully pleasing me is the main thing. And what would, God, what would be pleasing to God? What would it be that would make God happy? Well, what makes God happy is the very thing that makes us who we are. He created us exactly who we are with our abilities and our inabilities. And he wants us to surrender those things to him as a gift. Meaning that what you possess, we give back to God as a gift. You see, it isn't in giving, you know, if I had a billion bucks, how much would I I'd give? I'd, I'd even pay the pastor. <laughs> I'd give money to the church. I might even give some money to the pew, person next to me in the pew, you know. I'll give him 10 bucks, you know. <laughs> I'll give him a tip. <laughs> you know, I'll get better tips at the restaurant. You know, you know I'll be gracious. 
If we're not gracious with our dollar, we're not going to be gracious with our billion. Because he who is faithful over little will be faithful over much. So if we can't be satisfied with what we have, having more won't make us satisfied. And we see cheerfully pleasing God. Cheerfully pleasing God. That I am happy, no, joyful. Happy depends on happenings. I am joyful about my life. But you don't know what's going wrong with my life. No, 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 no. It's not the sins or the problems of our life or the expectation of eternity in a mansion in heaven. It's here and now pleasing God. That's where our life finds purpose and meaning. Joyfully saying, I'm a child of the king. You know, God loves me and I'm forgiven and you're going to, song, offer a hand, (laughs) that you're going to give of what you have. You see, if God wanted you to be me, (laughs) you would find me to be a real burden. (laughs) If God wanted me to be you, you would be a real burden to me because I can't be like you. I can't be like another minister or another minister like me or you like somebody too beautiful. You know, if I just had their looks, <laughs> I had their money. If I, you see how we limit and take and that we're not cheerful, joyful with who we are? We're looking in the mirror of God's creation and say, God, I think you blew it. <laughs> you know, the little, I think I said this one. The little boy asked his grandfather, um, Grandfather, did God make you? And grandfather says, yes. And the little boy said, did God make me? And grandfather says, yes. Little boy thinks for a minute and says, he's getting better at it, isn't he? (laughs) 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 So that's us, you know? God's getting better at it. And the more we recognize, you see, his word is given to us to take the giftings that we have and use them in a way that is going to be a blessing to others. And as we help other people get where they need to be, we will find ourselves arriving at where we need to be. So it isn't in getting something that we don't have, it's in taking something that we do have and investing and allowing the seeds of what we have to grow in the soil of our own hearts and lives and minds. You see, God has a purpose for us, and in us fulfilling that purpose, we make God happy. Happier. Joyful? I don't know. (laughs) But it's just like your foot standing underneath you when you're standing up. Does it make you happy that your feet are standing? Well, if you were dragging them, (laughs) or you were in an accident and couldn't walk, you would have a... A big change, a big different change of heart. One other story. There was this, um, it's a, a true story, I guess. I heard it from somebody else, so it must be true. Uh, this, this dog was, you know, going to have puppies, but it was hit by a car. And it, it dislocated its back legs and whatever, and the, the dog lived. And, but in order for the dog to survive, it, dra- it would drag around its back legs. You know, it would walk around and just dragging its back legs. So the dog had the puppies and, you know, beautiful litter of puppies. 
And, um, excuse me, had a beautiful litter of puppies. But all the puppies, when they began to walk, all, <coughs> all drug their back legs. Took them to the vet. What's wrong with these puppies? Examined them. Nothing's wrong with the puppies. They're just mirroring what they see. <laughs> you see, and how much of our life is just mirroring what we've seen? And that's why we keep falling in the pit. We're mirroring what we know. And what God is doing in his word is giving us a more perfect image, the perfect image of Christ. And we are striving to become, see, striving to become what God has called us to be. And so that means we use what we have to give honor and glory to God, and while we're doing that, we extend a hand to others to help them along the path. So, you have a purpose? Yes. God has a plan? Yes. God has a place for us in eternity? Yes. Are we supposed to be in eternity now? No. <laughs> if we were, you wouldn't be here. So until that day comes, let us now live in expectation. Do you know, in order for someone to be expectant, a mother, a woman to be expectant, they have to conceive. And if we can't conceive it in our minds and in our heart, we will never become expectant. So God wants to conceive in our minds, in our spirit, his blessings, his giftings, his, his strength, his power, his love, his forgiveness. He wants to conceive that in our minds so that we can birth the things of God in our life to give strength to our soul and our lives and to the lives of the people around us that we can make a difference not only now but in eternity and that everyone around us is blessed. Amen. That's good. <laughs> Let's stand, shall we? Everyone around us is blessed. Why? Because we're a blessing. Do you agree? Are you a blessing? Who have you blessed today? Did you curse that person who pulled out in front of you? No. <laughs> you see, we get an opportunity to bless them. <laughs> We have an opportunity to bless and not curse. We have a, an opportunity to uplift and not destroy. You see, we have the ability with our mouth to create, create blessings, create life, conceive of the blessing that God... I am believing for this year to be an overflowing year in our lives, in our church, an expectation. You see, it's an expectation. It's, and God has to birth it not only in my life, but in yours. And as he births it in us, we then have an expecting. And you know, a, a mother who is expecting has a baby in her womb. <laughs> so if we are expecting, we have a birth in our heart that God is planning. Amen? Father, we thank you 
We thank you for your word. We thank you for our life. We thank you for the focus of, of who we are in you. That God, we are greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So there is an expectation. There is a birthing of power and strength. And Lord, the world doesn't have a say on whether we live or whether we die, whether we're blessed or not blessed. It's all in your hands. And Lord, we are grateful for this day and for the blessings you've given us. God, we give you thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Mm-hmm. <laughs>